This is Friends Who Talk About Money from John Hancock, a show where we take on the money taboo and celebrate the power of financial conversations in all their honest, awkward, and inspirational glory. I'm your host, Claire Wasserman, writer, career coach, and financial advocate. Anyone quarantining with a partner through COVID can tell you. Even the strongest couples often struggle to connect. And while you may have learned to live with the fact that your partner loads the dishwasher wrong or hits snooze too many times in the morning, conflicting attitudes about money can be a relationship killer. Today's guests, Wesley and Patrick, are all too aware of that fact. It's why they keep their finances separate. But as their relationship gets more serious, they're beginning to worry that ignoring their opposing attitudes about money could be impeding their plans for the future. I'll also chat with personal finance writer Jackie Lamb, who reminds us that couples don't necessarily need to share financial attitudes, but when it comes to priorities, alignment is key. Time to talk money. Hi, Wesley. Hi, Patrick. Thanks so much for being here with us. Yeah, of yeah, course. Thanks Happy for to be having here. us. All right. So tell tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm Wesley. I'm 28. Or no, 29. Oh no, my God. I just had just my happened. birthday. We're in the LA area, but we live in Glendale. Um, just a little east of Los Angeles. And we both work in entertainment. I'm an aspiring writer, but I work uh, usually in like assistant fashion on different TV shows around LA. Yeah. And I'm Patrick. I'm 30. And I am, I do a bunch of stuff. I, a uh, freelancer, independent contractor, voiceover actor. I'm a pianist. I'm a musician. Played a couple bars throughout Los Angeles. Pre COVID times, I had three residencies in Los Angeles. So that was like regular days that I played at night over at these bars. That was a lot of fun. I miss it deeply. He was really good. Wesley, tell me, how did you meet and how long have you guys been together? We have been together uh, four and a half years. It'll be five years in April. And we actually met through a mutual friend. I had just moved out here and I took um, an improv class, as one does in L.A. And through that improv class, I met two people who basically introduced me to everyone I now hang out with in L.A. Um, one of them was Patrick. When was the first time that you've talked about money or or is this the first time you've spoken about money with each other? My first memory of talking about money Great, let's hear it. was uh, when we were first dating, um, you were like you were like throwing down your card a lot. And we had been dating for like a few weeks and we were getting more comfortable with each other. And you like bought lunch for me. And then you just sat there and you're like, I, I can't. I can't keep buying lunch. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm too broke to do this. And I was like, we can split meals. Yeah. yeah, but that was that was one of the first times. I feel like we look at money differently, but I remember pretty early on, um, we were, like, open about talking about it differently. Yeah. Like, I, I remember you, uh, at one point, you were, like, checking your bank account, and you, like, were, like, just open. You're oh, like, yeah, this is what saying. I have. Yeah. This is all I have. This is all I have. Um, Everything to my name. Yeah. <laughs> so so we've always talked about it. We've just kept our finances really separate because we spend we prioritize how we spend yeah. differently. Yeah, yeah. How do you spend, Patrick? Um, well, I get these like big chunks of cash. No. <laughs> Compulsively. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, but like I get these big chunks of cash and 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 I'm like, I get these nice big fat checks and and those have to last me for a while, right? And so I usually spend a little bit taking Wesley out or, you know, I, I want to spend it on something nice, you know, something, just something nice. So I do that. 
and uh, and then I see what I have left, and and I put a little bit into my IRA. I put a little bit into my savings. I pay off a credit card or something like that. So I'll like maybe buy, maybe get the rent for that month. I buy something I need, you know, something I need for my my business, whatever I'm doing at that time. I always love to upgrade my stuff. So I do feel like um, like you get a check, and it's usually a bigger chunk, and you're. A, a lot of times I see your first thought is like, what can I upgrade or improve yeah. in my workspace? Which makes sense because you do more freelance than I do. Whereas like I get a check and I get excited about like how much of this can I afford to just stick into my savings account? And then if I want to buy something like you, I'm always impressed um, and sometimes scared of how quickly you're like, I want this thing that's like $1,500 and it will make my space better and I'm going to get it. Whereas like I agonize for like six months and then like save and just, and then even once I've saved up enough, I'm like, do I really need it or should I just hold on to this until, until I'm in desperate need of it? Because I'm all about, it's going to make my product better. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, I, I got a nice check and then I bought a nice iPad. And on that iPad, I bought a piece of software that I was able to download all of my sheet music into. I have over 600 scores on that iPad now, and it is a function of my piano playing. So that was like a great investment, you know, something that I really wanted, I really needed, and I got it. Conversely, I've been saving up for a computer and I have the amount that I need to buy a new computer because like I cracked the corner of my screen of my laptop. And so like there's this black cloud slowly taking over the screen. And I finally saved up. I have enough to get a new computer. And I just like have yet to pull the trigger because I'm like, I can I can handle this. I want to circle back to the word compulsive for a minute. Full disclaimer, full disclaimer, I I am not a relationship coach, therapist, so, you know, there we go. But but this word is interesting. So first, okay, Wesley, what does compulsive mean to you? How does does that get manifested in in Patrick's spending, in your opinion? I feel like uh, it's like the amount of time he takes to think about a big purchase is really short. And uh, I don't, you know, the compulsive... (laughs) Come, that comes off as judgmental. It's I'm also like the like very opposite. Like I spent the a really, very opposite. It's been a really ta- long time. Like I would walk. I'll walk until my shoes literally fall off my feet, and then I'll be like, maybe I can walk barefoot for a little while. When it like, <laughs> yeah, it's like impeding her walking ability, like her computer, for example. But I also like I I think like the amount of time that he the, he has the thought I want this thing to deciding to buy it is almost instantaneous. Like if we're going to talk about how much I think about it, we probably think about our purchases roughly the same. I think about it a lot and then I just decide I can do without. Mm. Okay, so I want to see how much you two align on financial priorities. So I'm going to rattle off some money stuff and then I want you to each voice your pick. So, and you can say this at the same time if you'd like. Okay. Save for retirement or spend today? Retirement. Retirement. Combined finances or separate accounts? Separate, separate accounts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Invest it or put it under the mattress? Invest it. Mm, mattress. <laughs> I mean, I, I logically, I know I should say invest it, um, but I have a mattress savings mentality for sure. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, buy or rent? Buy. Yeah, buy. Mm-hmm. Um, life insurance or roll the dice? Oh, if I had kids, life insurance. Yeah, I would say I don't feel like I need it now, though. Honestly, the only reason why I'd get life insurance is for 
the for the kids for the kids wedding fund or vacation fund vacation, vacation fund. fund nice okay so that went a little differently than i expected are you surprised at how similar your answers were yeah i mean i kind think of. those kind of things are maybe i'm thinking of those as like rudimentary things but maybe those are the big things you know they are those are the big things i i also wonder i think that we've spent a lot of our relationship talking about how we think of money differently. But as we've been together longer, the way our finances work have started to overlap more. I also think we influence each other. Probably as a necessity of building a life together. Right. You know, but yeah, I I am sort I'm sort of surprised. And at the same time, it's like comforting to know that we're actually more on the same page than I think we thought we were. Yeah. Um, I definitely think we influence each other. You know, she she definitely influences me to like save a little bit more and or talk through purchases. Like I talk think, through those big purchases with her. Yeah. yeah, I think like like the last big purchase you made before you did, you came to me and you're like, I really want to buy this thing. Do you think it's a good idea? And without telling you whether you should or not, I just asked you a bunch of questions about like how much you thought you needed it. Um it does it make sense to do it right now or is it something that's worth saving for and all of that you still ended up buying it but mm-hmm. we did talk mm-hmm. through kind of or bounce around whether or not you thought you should and i often come to you and be like i want this and you're like you need to just buy it stop you've said that three times to me now go buy it go go buy it yeah <laughs> yeah i think that like my tendency to like save can sometimes be to my own detriment like i won't get things that i need that i have the money for because I I have a little bit of like a hoarder mentality when it comes to finances because I'm always afraid that I'm going to need it for something else necessary. I think I watch him sometimes purchase things that he needs faster. And I've decided like sometimes, okay, maybe I'll buy the thing that I need when I need it. And it has made my life sometimes more comfortable and better. Um, and conversely... Conversely, she uh, she definitely makes me think about saving a little bit more, you know. Um, her parents, they had great jobs. They saved a lot. They did really well with their finances. And so I look at her family as a great example of what to do with finances. Now, conversely, my family, my parents divorced because they had, like the catalyst for their divorce was money issues. Mm, okay. My mom, my mom made a lot more than my dad. But, but she was a spender. But she was a spender. And my dad was a saver. And so they spent hours in the office arguing about money every night. And, you know, eventually I was like, when are you guys going to get a divorce? And they're like, patience, Patrick. <laughs> but they ended up doing it. And yeah, so I don't look at my parents for good money coaching. I look at her family for that. I'm curious to know, do you, do you guys talk about your financial future at all? Yeah, I think... Um, I think that that has kind of been a more recent conversation, though. I think, honestly, this podcast made us sort of be like, should we start talking about how we would combine finances? Because we don't have common financial uh, spending habits means maybe we should talk about that. Kind of indicative of like. Yeah. Seems like this thing is going to keep going. (laughs) But yeah, I think we've started talking about it. in terms of like what a joint bank account might look like. What what would a joint bank account look like? What would it look like? Like what kinds of big purchases moving forward? Like the big thing that we talked about is like a house. You know, we're not really in the market for real estate, but one day would like to be. Um, and I think uh, 
that's always felt kind of like a far off one day I'll start fixing to get ready to think about that. One but, day I'll buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think more recently it's been like, how would the way that we both approach money, what would feel like a way that we could start saving towards that that would work for how we both approach money differently? Yeah. What does marriage look like between two people that are and, – and this is the problem that I keep going back to my parents. You know, They got into a marriage without even talking about finances um, and their spending habits and, like, and, and how, they would, how it would look. My parents, um, their, their like finances are like – they, they really work together on their finances. All of their money is both of their money. Right. There's, there's not really a delineation between whose is whose. And I think right now you and I have a like, this is yours, this is mine sort of mentality. Do you want to buy dinner tonight? No, I don't want to have dinner. I'm just going to scrounge here. Well, I kind of want dinner, so I'm going to buy actually just get delivery. I'm going to get takeout myself. Yeah. yeah, that happens a lot, actually. But yeah, when it comes to our future, I, I, I'm like so worrisome because I have that history with my family that it's going to get in between my relationship with Wesley. Aww. Seriously, it's very true. That um, yeah, I, I'm worried because uh, my family, <laughs> you know, uh, we're all products of our childhood. So I'm worried <laughs> that it's going to get in the way of my like closest relationship. If we were to get into a like a, a joint bank account situation, a joint like we would be of the same tax code, and like all of that, it, it would be it would be scary for me to not have a plan going into that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to start having those conversations. Absolutely. Friends who talk about money is brought to you by John Hancock. We understand that financial conversations can get complicated. But whether you're talking about insurance, retirement, investing, or simply looking for some financial guidance, John Hancock is here to help make it a little easier. Have your different approaches, have has it ever caused friction in your relationship? Yeah, a little bit on yeah. occasion. I think when we first started dating, you lived paycheck to paycheck. That's true, yeah. Like all regularly, it was like your rent check was dependent on the next paycheck. And I have always had, for the most part, um, at least enough to cover one month of rent. So like if an emergency happened, I could I could do that. Like for me, paycheck to paycheck would drive me insane. I had one period when I, we were living out here where I got down to like the bottom, of, scraping the bottom of the barrel and I did not handle it well. She I did was, not. I she, was had an a, emotional... she had a mental breakdown. Okay. <laughs> I, re- I, I remember this moment. I remember it very vividly. Yeah, I didn't I didn't handle it well. On the floor, kneels to the ground, weeping, rocking back and forth. Yeah, you know, how one does. <laughs> uh there might have been fetal position involved. Um <laughs> What was but, the Can you talk about what led to that? We were planning on moving. Anyway, yeah, I was really broke. Uh I wasn't really I was working but not very steadily. And so we found a place, the place that we're in now and really loved it, but in order to pay the rent and the um, security deposit, I essentially had to use what was left in my bank account and my savings account. I had like mentally steeled myself for it's like, okay, I'm going to be really broke for a little while, but I'm going to work really hard while we're moving um, and pick up as much job, as many jobs as I can. And it'll be fine. And then um, he was on the phone with like, he had, he really wanted to get cable um, yeah. <laughs> in our new place. And he was on the phone and I was like barely holding it together. And he walked in and was like, okay, so it's going to be like 70 a month for internet and this cable package I want. And I was like, okay, cool. And then he walked away and I promptly got into fetal position. Um, and then he walked in afterwards and was like, 
what is wrong with you? Okay. Anyways, we did not get cable. Um, (laughs) The moral of the story. Needless to say, we we didn't get cable. Yeah, I think my biggest fear has been pretty consistent, which is just like the idea of not having enough is really terrifying to me. Um, Which is really funny because I've I've pretty much never been in a position where I don't have Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. Even even when I only had two hundred dollars in my bank account, you know financial assistance was a phone call away. So then why are you so worried that it's going to run out? Um I don't know. I think it's I think it just stems back to realizing that I had to worry about money made me stressful stressed about money. Money tends to be emotional for me and stressful. I think I'm just I'm just worried about the feeling of like not having enough money to take care of myself. I was just going to say realizing Wesley that your your relationship with money vastly so different than mine yeah i don't think about it emotionally at all it's a function of my life it's a function in fetal position about money (laughs) no no um so it's like so it's like yeah okay i don't know i don't maybe i don't understand why it's so emotional for you you know what i think part of it is Hmm. uh is that you grew up uh with parent like you didn't your parents weren't as um, financially stable. Yeah, I was trying to find a, a way to say. I don't know. Like they were lower, lower middle class income. Her family was like upper middle class. You income. grew up with more awareness and uh, comfort in less with less stability yeah. around money. Whereas, yeah. like, I grew up with my parents. Uh, mm, that makes sense. My parents were like, if you get good grades, like, don't worry about an after school job. So I didn't really have to think critically about money until I was paying my own bills. So I had to catch up both emotionally and, um, and also just like, uh, what am I, what word am I looking for? Emotionally and, um, practically, Mm. uh, at Mm -hmm. the same time. And so I think that it it took me a long time to feel, uh, less emotional around money because I was like, I was essentially, I was coddled, (laughs) um, which I think in retrospect, even my parents have said we probably should have made you like balance a checkbook earlier. But I think they they both grew up less stable and wanted to protect me from that. Mm. So it was like a weird whereas like you were you just had more comfortability with that from the get go. And my mom is an independent contractor herself. She writes docu-series. And so she's a freelancer getting hired by production companies to write these scripts for them, right? And so she works from home. And she's been doing that my entire childhood. And she now, also has to hustle. She's got to hustle. Yeah, she's got to find her own work, you know? And so we talk about these things. We talk about money. Oh, I'm so sorry. We can't go eat out tonight because we literally don't have that money, you know? That's what we were talking about when we were a kid, you know? I never had convers Like, my parents never really had conversations like that with me. Like, it was never – that was never something that we had to – it was like – Like, I knew what my parents' mortgage was when I was a kid. I did not. I did not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wesley, so your fear of running out of money, you know, Mm -hmm. how do you think you're going to overcome that, overcome that fear? I think part of it is just like recognizing that it's, it's a little bit uh, apocalyptic of me to think that way. Um, And then part of it is just is being, being more like proactive with my finances. I always want to like do one thing and then not look at it again. I, I, it's sort of like the, like I have to run into the storm a bit. I need to, in order to become less emotional about money, I have to, um, be more proactive about looking at my bank account regularly and looking at my investment regularly and 
uh, having a better understanding of what I'm doing with my money, just sort of like forming a callus, honestly, like an internal callus. Um, and I think trusting yourself. Yeah. Learning to trust myself. Definitely. Listen, Patrick, your, your fear of, you know, quote, becoming your parents sounds like they didn't really talk about money before they got married. So, um, you're already leaps and bounds beyond that. And I think here's the thing. I think, you know, not being on the same page all the time can be good because you complement each other. You know, as Mm -hmm. we've talked about, you can push each other. Um, It's the not talking about it, right? It's the lack of transparency. It's it's if you don't want to work together to come to a compromise, right? Mm -hmm. It's all that that's the problem, which is why we have this podcast uh, because we know that step one is always let's just get over this taboo, which it I don't know why it's a taboo anymore because we all need it. Every yeah. single person wants it. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and honestly, the taboo, the, like one thing I'm really thankful about is like Patrick is very, uh, like it, unless he thinks it should be, a, he's like, I don't understand why taboos are taboos. So he like was never embarrassed about talking about money and it allowed me to be um, less embarrassed about talking about it from the get go. So it's even if we haven't always agreed, we've always been open to talking about it. Transparent, and that's that's been helpful. Yeah, but the problem is we're both stubborn, so (laughs) that's a problem when it comes to compromise. You know, Uh, we'll figure that one out. That's a that's a whole other discussion. Um, can I be your friend, guys? (laughs) (laughs) This was so great. Thanks for being here, and thanks for being so open. I love that this podcast got you guys to start having some of these money conversations, and I hope that you keep having them. I'm thrilled to be joined by money writer Jackie Lamb to talk through Wesley and Patrick's financial friction and how they can keep it from coming between them. Thanks for being here, Jackie. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, Claire. So I'm a personal finance writer based in Los Angeles. I've written a lot on money and relationships and the emotions around money. And I also write a lot about freelancing and finances. Okay, couples and money. You know, Wesley and Patrick thought that they were worlds apart when it came to their financial priorities. I was kind of surprised, though, in in talking to them, it seemed like their attitudes about money maybe are different, but their goals were very aligned. So how can couples use maybe their differences to their advantage? Differences are underplayed, right, with relationships. So ideally, you, you think you'd want someone who is on the same page with you on everything because it just makes life so much easier but you can use your differences to your advantage because, well, it helps you grow. So if you're kind of the same person or you have like similar beliefs and behaviors around money, um, it just makes you, it makes it kind of boring and you can't really grow. So in, in the classic example, what we have here with Patrick and Wesley is uh, Patrick is more of a spender, right? In the, in the traditional sense. And Wesley is a, a saver. So what's going on with Wesley and Patrick is Wesley, um, you know, as she grew up in a home where uh, there was a lot of financial stability, um, she didn't have to really worry about money so much, but she, she has a little bit of a scarcity mentality, right? And that's what caused her to be a saver. And on the other hand, you have Patrick, who's more of a spender. And he it's because he looks at money as kind of a, a way to uh, generate opportunity. He talks about upgrading when he can because it helps him do a better better job makes him uh, helps with his work. Um, and so you have these like people who seem like they're on the different ends of the spectrum. You have someone who's has a little bit of um, wariness around money, 
and scarce. She feels very, very much there's a scarcity mentality. And then you have someone who maybe is a little more optimistic about money. And so because of those differences, obviously there can be friction. There can also be a place for them to really meet and overlap and help each other. So as they talked about um, during the conversation, it sounds like Patrick had a chance to really help Wesley a little bit, spend a little more, right? And enjoy money a little more in the here and now. And and in terms of Wesley, uh, maybe helps Patrick kind of think through his decisions and how do you come to a, a meeting place in the middle yeah. where both people feel good? So it, I think it's just having conversation and really coming together and coming to a place where like they can work on shared goals and they can work on um, just finding like a place where they can feel safe and and work toward those goals together. So an example of that could be just giving set numbers, specific numbers so uh, on what could make you feel safe, you know, like, and what can make you triggered. So just giving a number like, hey, like someone like who's a saver, who has scarcity uh, mentality a little bit, uh, like Wesley is like, hey, I need to have 5000 in the bank um, to feel safe. And okay, so how can we get there together? And for, for, for Patrick, you know, when I get a chunk of money, um, I would like to have at least you know, 10% of that go to a splurge, quote unquote, or to upgrade my gear so I can do like a, to do, be a great musician or whatever, you know, whatever he's doing as an artist and freelancer. Um, so I think mean, having those conversations can really help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I appreciated that both Patrick and Wesley were so transparent with each other, but also very tuned into how they were raised and understanding how that that, you know, affected the way that they looked at their money, their relationship with money, uh, and the relationship they had with each other. When you get into a new relationship, you know, how do you how do you kind of check your emotional baggage? What is a way to get started in exploring, well, how were you raised and how was I, you know, like just for anybody who has never had the money conversation with a significant other, just bring us to the basics. How do you begin? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that is a big question. And it's such a hard one because like you said, like that's great that they were so transparent from the beginning, right? That they could talk about money uh, from the get-go. And a lot of couples uh, can't do that or have, don't aren't able to. Uh, I think uh, there are a couple things you could try. I think it's just starting with the classic uh, talking about you, talking about your situation, uh, talking about anything that you want to to do to like breach that topic. It could be something simple like check out this deal I found or check out this, you know, something I saved money on this or I'm trying to save for this. And that anything you do to talk about your own financial situation puts the pressure off of the other person. And then you can kind of gauge on how they react to that, right? Um, because as you mentioned, the emotional baggage can just, it can run the gamut. You just have no idea where someone is coming from until you really dig in. And you want to be careful. You want to have um, approach it with kids' gloves for sure. Because there's a lot of like things you just don't know. Like they could have emotional baggage as like with Patrick's family, like his parents divorced over money. They fought over money. They could have had some like really intense debt, some issues in, in their past relationships. It could just go like, you know, all over the board. So I think starting with me kind of statements, me conversation, like focusing on yourself is a good way to to maybe approach. Another thing, um, you know, me talking to like financial therapists and, and couples coaches for money uh, is just maybe talking about other people, you know, you know, other couples, anyone you might know, it could even be fictional, like something you saw on TV and talk about some financial aspect and like say like, Hey, like this is how this couple handled this 
This is what this couple is doing. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. That could be another tactic to maybe try because again, it takes the pressure and the focus off of the other person. Um, if they're not comfortable talking about themselves, if they're not there op- uh, ready to open up um, because of that baggage, because of that history, it could be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Something that you you wrote, I thought was really interesting. So I'm going to just read it out loud and I'd love you to, to expand on it. So one's perception about their money is just as important, if not more important, than their perception around it. What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's actually been been studies on this. So uh, with the with Patrick and Wesley, as you noticed, uh, Wesley grew up, uh, you know, in like a home where it was pretty financially stable. Her parents made money, and Patrick didn't. So you might assume that Patrick might be the one to have the scarcity mentality. Mm, you yeah. might as- right, and you might assume that he with someone to be more wary about about spending. But then it's all about perception. So maybe because of how Wesley grew up or how she um, reacted to things that happened in her life, she has a perception that, you know, when I hit, because I have friends like that, like they're like, I don't feel comfortable until I have at least 50K in savings in the bank. That's my number. And that seems like a high for, I feel like a lot of people, but that's a perception thing. So then when it goes under that, boom, like, I'm I'm freaked out, right? So, and that that story that they shared that that really wow, they they opened up, and when she had that meltdown, it's like, you know, it got her to that breaking point because, hey, like us not being able to pay rent, us like living paycheck to paycheck, like that is beyond my breaking point. So that's a perception thing, right? Because they were so different on their perception of things, like, and for him, it's like, hey, we can make this work. You know, I, maybe I've been in a different or situation or whatever it is, or I grew up like this, whatever it is, like that's a perception thing. So, so there's a thing where like, even if the money's in the bank, your perception of your financial situation can really affect your uh, emotions and your, your behaviors around it. How should we not approach talking about finances with our significant other? Yeah. Yeah. Another great question. So how not to approach it would be, uh, just being judgmental, right? So there's a whole like dualistic thinking of this person is bad with money, quote unquote, bad with money because they spend it all, quote unquote, this person is good with money. So anything you do to like, to like when you're talking to your partner and it sounds judgmental. So just being very careful with using words like that, like, hey, you're, you're, you're com- compulsive, right? Or, or you're, uh, you're reckless. That's another negative word. Or you're stingy. That's another word. So um, those things I think could really put someone on the attack, right? On the defense. And you really don't want to do that when you're starting off uh, talking about money. Another thing is just not to talk too much about (laughs) dollars and cents. It sounds uh, irrational not to talk about budgeting and stuff from the beginning, but I think Talking it from an emotional place actually is, can be very helpful. Talking about, as you mentioned, share goals, uh, hopes, dreams in general about your life can really open things up and make it more like natural to talk about money. Because how does money fit into our hopes and goals? Uh, how does it? Pl- how does money tap into or work with um, affect our, our our fears and concerns? Right. So I think a bigger picture, uh, broader kind of approach could really be useful. Um, another thing is just to not, uh, there's something called a uh, non-judgmental questioning, which is something you can do. So, uh, judgmental questioning is just loaded questions, right? Like you're asking someone to probe them or asking for some, 
to ask them for a very specific answer, something like that could really, again, put someone on the defense. So those are a couple of things you definitely don't want to do um, when you're when you're talking, uh, mm. trying to start conversations about money with your partner. Mm, this sounds like good advice in general for how to communicate and connect yeah. with with people in your life. Thanks, Jackie, so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Claire. I don't know many couples who could talk about their money disagreements with as much candor and humor as Wesley and Patrick. So sincere thanks to both of them for sharing their story with us. I'm looking forward to hearing Patrick play piano in a post-pandemic world. I'd also like to thank our expert, Jackie Lamb, for her wisdom surrounding money and relationships. Even if your spending habits are different, communication is key and combined financial goals are imperative. On our next episode, we'll hear from our youngest guest yet as I sit down with a mother and daughter to discuss college planning during the pandemic and how COVID offered them an opportunity to explore some unconventional options. Talk soon. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers at the time of recording and are subject to change as market and other conditions warrant. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor shall it be interpreted or construed as, a recommendation or providing advice, impartial or otherwise, regarding any specific product or security. Unless otherwise noted, the speakers are not affiliated with John Hancock and they may have been compensated for their time.